Heavenly Father, you always amaze me. Let your kingdom come in my world and in my life. Give me the food I need to live through the day. And forgive me as I forgive the people that wrong me. Leave me far from temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I look out the window, the birds are composing. Not a note is out of tune or out of place. And stare at the flowers that are dressed than any girl on her wedding day. So, why should I worry? Why do I freak out? God knows what I need. You know.
inside of me knows there is surely more than this echoes of eternity all around us Oh
Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Glad that you uh, chose to join us here today at Trinity. Come on in. If you can hear my voice, come on in and find a seat. Anywhere is fine. Uh, Welcome. Uh, We are going to worship the Lord together today. And uh, we love to do that in many different ways here at Trinity. We worship God through song. And so in just uh, a minute or two, we'll be worshiping the Lord by singing songs of praise to him. We worship the Lord by opening his word together, seeing what it is that he has for us this morning as he reveals himself and his love for us through the scriptures. We worship the Lord through prayer and through fellowship and gathering together corporately like this 
to worship. And we do that on the first day of the week, the Sunday mornings, uh, as um, the ancient church did, as they gathered on Sunday mornings because they celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that third day. And so they gathered on the morning of the first day of the week to celebrate the fact that the tomb was empty, that Christ is no longer on the cross, and that we have new life in him. Amen? And so we gather to do all those things here together today. And here at Trinity, we, um, we have our core values of learning and growing and serving. You'll hear more about that later. But we learn the truth together. We grow in our faith and our trust in the Lord. And then we serve. And we serve one another and we serve the community around us. And so to get us started, I would like to read a passage from the book of Hebrews in the New Testament And then also a brief passage from the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. Let this be our call to worship this morning as we settle our hearts and ready our minds for our time of worship to God, for he alone is worthy. So listen to the words of the scriptures now. From the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, it says this about the supremacy of Christ. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. The name of Jesus, for he alone is worthy. And from the book of Isaiah, it says these words, come now, Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Christ has done that for us. Church, would you stand together now as I pray us into a time of worship through song? Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning together. And as we now offer ourselves, worshiping you in spirit and in truth, the kind of worshipers your word says that you seek, we want to do that. And so, Lord, we pray that the music would move us, it would stir our emotions, that it would move us in our soul, but that the words that we sing and that we sing together as we lift our voices and join them as one that these words of truth would remind us of who you are and who we are in your eyes and what Jesus has done for us. For truly, Jesus is the one who makes the difference. For Jesus paid it all on our behalf. So for that, Father, we are eternally grateful. So this time of worship is for you. May you be blessed and honored. 
We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's sing songs of praise to him. Savior say, and thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Is Jesus paid it all? All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain.
Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. When I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name.
Oh, he is worthy to be praised. Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you. If we can uh, make our way back to our seats, uh, that'd be great. Come on in. If you're just joining us, come and find a seat. It's good to praise the Lord together, and I trust that it's uh, uh, that it's been a blessing to start your week this way, and that uh, it'll be a good way to start your week of worship. That you would continue to worship the Lord throughout the week. Uh, just a reminder: we have uh, extra opportunities for fellowship. Uh, if you want to come early to uh, service at 945, uh, we have our uh, coffee and breakfast fellowship, so it's another opportunity to get together a little early. And then uh, on the first Sunday of every month, which is today, we have our fellowship lunch. So all are welcome to stay, because on the first Sunday of every month, we have our communion service, so we will end our gathering together around the Lord's table taking the bread and the cup together, remembering the Lord's sacrifice. And then after, immediately after service, we will have our fellowship lunch. And so uh, uh, everyone is welcome to stay for that. Whether you brought food or not, it's a big family affair. So everybody, please stay uh, and enjoy some extra time of fellowship around the tables with uh, lots of good food and friends, conversation. And so um, just a few quick things. We, we actually asked the kids to stay with us for a little bit. Uh, before uh, they go down the hall to their class. Uh, but just remember that we have the annual coat drive uh, is uh, in full swing, and that is for uh, the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. They're one of our missionary partners. And so as you walked in, you saw the, the container there. We are gathering and collecting uh, new or gently used coats. Uh, and if you would like to um, volunteer to help with that ministry on that outreach, on November 19th, it's a Saturday, at Jersey Shore Rescue Mission in Asbury Park. You can actually volunteer through their website or you can see Andrew and Elizabeth who head up our missions team and they'll give you uh, the information on how to register to volunteer to help hand out coats and gloves and scarves on that day, November 19th, all right? But that information is at the website of Jersey Shore Rescue Mission. So we thank you for everybody that's been donating 
we'll continue to do that up until then. Uh, and then also just a reminder that uh, we are in, now in November, so welcome to November, and uh, Thanksgiving is this month, quickly approaching, if you can believe it. And so we do have our traditional uh, Thanksgiving Eve service, so that's the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, and we gather here at 6.30, we'll do 6.30 this year, and it's a wonderful time. It's a different, unique kind of gathering where we just share a lot of testimonies and worship, and it's really most of the opportunity for all of you to come and share a word or two or a story about how God has blessed you in this past year. And then uh, if you can stay after that Wednesday evening service, the Thanksgiving Eve service, we have uh, some pie and coffee just to get you ready for the next day. Kind of get your stomachs ready, get, you know, get some pie and everything so that you're ready to eat a lot of food the next day on Thanksgiving. So mark that on your calendars at 6.30 on that Wednesday evening uh, for our Thanksgiving Eve service. And just a reminder as well that we have our fellowship fund. We mention this once in a while that when people are in financial need that uh, our deacons oversee a fellowship fund. And so if you're a member of the family here and you give regularly, just remember our fellowship fund that uh, we continue to give towards that outside of our regular giving to help people that are in need. There's lots of other stuff going on here at Trinity. Check us out at trinityallenwood.com where you can see all the events and the ways to get involved. And so um, it is always a, uh, a privilege to be able to, um, to bring forward a family that God has put on their hearts this desire to raise their children in the Christian faith. And the kids aren't always excited about it, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a real blessing, obviously, for the parents, for the children, whether they know it yet or not, and for the church. Because when we gather together, you know, we, we, we worship and we study the word of God. We're growing and learning as disciples. But a huge part of that is, is raising our children together, raising them in the faith raising them um, to understand who God is, who they are in God's eyes, and what God has done for them through his son, Jesus Christ. And we all know it's a lifelong journey with Jesus, isn't it? But the younger we start, the better. And it starts in the home with parents who have dedicated themselves to raising their children to love God and to love others, as Jesus said, of the greatest two commandments. And so I'm going to ask now if Chris and Marissa can come up with your wonderful children. You guys can come on up. The moment they were waiting for. And thank you all for joining us. It, yeah. Well, this is wonderful. You can come right up and just stand right up here. That'd be great. And you guys look amazing. So Chris and Marissa, of course, join us with their children and um, with uh, Maisie and Summer and Bodie, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, I asked them to come up because I'm going to read some scripture. And uh, I think he's done. So I guess let's pray. Is that it? He said, we're done. We're praying. That's okay. It's all good. Um, but this is a time for Bodie. It's a time for his parents. It's time for all of you. Because what they have uh, committed to do is to dedicate their child, their beautiful child, to the Lord. And this is what we do here at, at Trinity. We dedicate children when the parents come forth and say that we, 
We believe that we want to raise our children the Christian faith, and we need the church to help us. And what we do is we bring them before the Lord, and we pray over them, and we're reminded of the importance of children and the family of God. But then this is also a time for the church, for family, for blood relatives, for church family, family in the faith, to take part in this covenant, this commitment to help them raise their children. Children are a gift from God. Psalm 127 proclaims that children are a heritage from the Lord and a reward from him. How rewarded you guys are. Praise Jesus. As believers, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. God in his goodness gives children as gifts to parents. Maybe we don't always see it that way, but scripture teaches us that God has given us children as gifts. They truly are not our own. They are on loan from God for you to steward and to love and to care for and to raise in the faith. They not only have the awesome responsibility as parents of caring for these beautiful gifts, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying them. Because children belong to God and are given by grace as gifts to parents, it is good and right to dedicate them back to God. We are told in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. If you remember that, she had been praying for a child and she said, Lord, if you bless me with a son, I will commit him back to you. I will dedicate him to you. So we see that in scripture. In Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter two, we read that Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him to the Lord. It was tradition, but they wanted to dedicate their beautiful son back to the Lord. So, you guys are doing great, by the way. You're doing great. You are. In the same way, Chris and Marissa today bring Bodhi, presenting first themselves and then their child before the Lord. Chris and Marissa, I want to remind you of the commands of God recorded in the scripture. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, basically all the time everywhere. Teach them the things of God. And then Ephesians 6 says it this way, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So God clearly loves you and God clearly loves all children and makes it clear his heart is for parents to reflect his love by teaching them his word. So you guys are to love God with all that you are and teach Bodhi to do the same. As you love God and love one another, you will model to him a relationship with God that they will grow to want for, that he will want to grow for himself. So, Chris and Marissa, I ask you this. By presenting yourselves before God and before all of these people, do you vow by God's help and in partnership with this church to provide Bodhi with a Christian home of love and peace, to raise him in the ways of the Lord, to encourage him to one day receive by faith the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do, just say, we do. 
Now, modeling this kind of love is difficult to do alone. Parents, do you agree with me? It is. It requires the help of others. So I ask the church now, everyone here, close relatives, family, friends, and the Trinity Church family, to make this vow as well. Because parents have the first and most important responsibility to raise children, but parents need the help and support of their faith community as well as family. So now I direct my questions to you. Would you all please stand? Just stand with me as I ask this question to you, church. And we stand together not only in reverence to God and to this commitment that we are about to make, but we stand together as a symbol of us standing with you. I ask you all now, do you make this following commitment to the parents who stand before you so that Bodhi may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers do you vow by God's help to support Chris and Marissa in being faithful to God, to help teach and train Bodhi in the ways of the Lord so that he may one day put his trust in him? If you accept this responsibility, just please say together, we do. You guys heard that? I did. Praise the Lord. Now, do you think he would come with me? What do you think? Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Good. Check out everything. Good. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for your hand of blessing. Uh, we pray for your hand of blessing over Bodhi. That you would direct his path, protect and provide for him all of his days. Continue to surround him with family and friends and with a church community to love him unconditionally, just as you do, to encourage and challenge him in his own journey with Jesus as he grows, to help carry his burdens and rejoice along with him during times of celebration throughout his life. We ask your blessing over Chris and Marissa, that you would give them strength and courage to lead him in your ways, leading with the love that you have shown them. Grant them, we pray, wisdom, and discernment as they raise him to be the man of God you have created him to be. And bless this church, Father. May we always provide a community of hope and help, of safety and support to point him to Jesus throughout his life. We thank you for him, for the blessing he is, will continue to be to this church and to his family. Father, hold him close for all his days that he may always know how loved he is and always places trust in you. In Jesus' name, we all pray together. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand and a round of applause. Good job, buddy. Good job. And just remember this time that we have made this commitment together to help them raise their beautiful children in the faith. We take that seriously. We love you guys. And we are so much better with you guys being a part of our family. And Lord, we bless you. Yes, it's great. So please, after service, just uh, take a moment to uh, say good morning and to congratulations to them, all right? Thank you. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. 
I know our, our children will be headed down the hall, those that are choosing to go down to, um, to the kids' classes. Of course, kids are always welcome to stay if you would like, parents, but um, we do have, um, yeah, we have classes for our kids down the hall. I thank you for all of our wonderful volunteers that, uh, that help them out. And so, uh, and you know, I love the fact that our, our kids get to have their own time of worship down the hall, and uh, they often will have snacks as well. And I think maybe we should have snacks during our service, but some of you bring your coffee, that's all good. But you know, we wait a little bit, and then afterwards we'll have our food and fellowship together. But praise the Lord for children. Isn't that a blessing to you already? Just to get to see this young family who desire to, um, to train up their children, as the scripture says, to love God and to love other people. Boy, I mean, when Jesus said, the greatest of those commandments, to love God and love others, that's what it's all about. And so elsewhere in the scripture, it says that one generation will commend the mighty works of God to the next. And that is our responsibility, parents. And even if you don't have your own children, you are aunts and uncles, you are cousins, you are relatives, and you have the opportunity even as close friends and neighbors to help others raise children, right? To trust in the Lord, because that's a big word, trust, that we would trust in him. So I'm going to ask you a question, church. Are you Mary or are you Martha? Are you more like Mary or her sister, Martha? You know, when I was younger, I was in a, uh, a Christian rock band, and we would play concerts all over up and down the East Coast, and I, um, I was the, the singer, and um, we had a band, there was four of us, and we would go and play, but, and these guys are my best friends, and uh, um, still to this day, such good friends, and even my friend Tom, the drummer, is still my best friend, my brother-in-law, the one who led me to the Lord many years ago, and we would play concerts, and after each concert, of course, we would have to break down the set. We'd have to break down the drums and all the equipment and the amps and everything. But you know, after every concert, what I love to do is I love to talk to the people that were there. Love to have those conversations, the people that were there to listen to our music and the message that we had in our words and in between our songs. But you know, my, my good friends would always get on my case and say, Keith, you know, we're always back here cleaning up and you're out there talking you never come and help us. Concert after concert, they would complain. I would tell them all the time, I'm just being merry. I'm, I'm just choosing the better, like Jesus said. You're all being a bunch of Marthas. Didn't go over too well. Because they were always left with the heavy cleanup, and I was out there talking to people. But you see, in this story, a very familiar story for many of us, from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10, we hear about these two sisters, Mary and Martha. And it's a short little account, and I'm going to read it to you in just a moment. But I want, to, I want you to keep this story in mind as a reference point, as your context for our theme for this morning. As we continue our uh, journey through the discipleship pathway, which is a new initiative we launched a few weeks ago. We launched at the back of end of September. The Discipleship Pathway is a tool that we are now using here at Trinity to help us all stay on track 
to being followers of Jesus. Because here at Trinity, we learn, we grow, and we serve. It's how we pursue being disciples, which is simply a learner or a follower of a master. And we have Jesus as our Lord and master. And so this tool, the discipleship pathway, is a a great opportunity for us to help each other continue on this journey, to learn and to grow of all the aspects and all the areas of the life of a disciple that we glean right from Scripture. And so there are 12 steps, 12 areas that we have determined from Scripture that um, that are important for the life of a Christian, of a disciple, a, a follower of Jesus. So we've been going through those, but of course, as a reminder, every Christian's journey as a disciple, as a learner and follower of Jesus, starts on the same step. Now, all of the rest of them are important. We all need to give time and attention to them. We've been seeing that as we go through them. But, and it might look different about how we get there or when, so it's not a linear sort of path, but we all start at the same point. It's like when you run a race, you might be ahead of others, and when you're on the left or the right, you think of like a marathon, but you all start with the same starting line. And that starting point is trusting in Jesus for salvation. Because scripture says that Jesus told his disciples these important words. When they asked him, they said, Jesus, where are you going? He was preparing them for his departure and going back to the Father, right? His time in his earthly ministry was about over, and he was telling them where I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, and I'm going to come back and get you. And, and they said, well, where are you going? So he said, you know the way. And the disciples says, we don't know the way. So then Jesus said these famous words. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. But Jesus made it clear that the only way to be reconciled to God, our maker, our creator, is through belief in Jesus Christ. Over 150 times in the New Testament, whenever it talks about salvation, eternal salvation in Christ, it says believe. There's one condition for salvation. It's simply believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And that's where our pathway of being a disciple starts because in the rest of our lives, we're just getting to know Jesus better, to be more like him. It's what you did. Like back in the day, Jesus was called a rabbi, right? Because it was very common and the Jewish people had rabbis that they revered. They were the teachers and young people would come alongside and literally sit at their feet and listen and learn. And when the rabbi would go, they would go. And see, that's the picture of us with Jesus being our great teacher and rabbi, our Lord and Savior. We are called to follow him. So Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, and then he lays out how to do it. He says, you are to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's hard work. See, accepting the gift of salvation, the free gift of salvation, it's easy it's simple and that we simply reach out and say thank you as an act of faith. We receive the free gift of salvation by believing or trusting in faith. It's the same word. Because Jesus has done everything required to offer that free gift. We don't have to do anything. Our good works cannot earn a position with God. We cannot earn our way back to God, the scripture says. So we simply believe. 
But then Jesus says, if you want to be my disciples, like, okay, now you want to follow me and live like I've called you to live. Now that's going to be hard work because that takes discipline. We get the word disciple. So he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That means putting aside our own will, our own desires, and following Jesus wherever he may lead. That's hard. We can't even do that on our own. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We see God has offered us salvation, but then we all start at that same starting point. When we make that commitment to be a disciple, we trust in Jesus for salvation. And if we're willing, say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And then we have these other steps that we've talked about, like baptism, like learning to tell your story, your testimony, and then learning how to share the good news of the gospel with others. But today we come to this step, which perhaps is the most important. I could probably say that about all of them, but perhaps the most important. And that is to spend time with Jesus. They've all been given a card you didn't get one, you'll have one on the way out. Um, make sure you take one of those. And it's, we have a card for each one of the 12 steps. Just as a good reminder, there's a place you can write on the back if you'd like. Um, but spending time with Jesus is an integral part of being a disciple of Jesus. Why? Because that is how we get to know him. Let me read to you the story of Mary and Martha. And then you decide and think about, as I continue to just unpack this a little bit, the rest of our time together, which one are you? Which way do you normally tend to lean towards how Mary acted or how Martha acted? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are actually needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen the better, and it will not be taken away from her. What a response. Isn't that just like Jesus, right? The way that he responds, he always gets right to the heart of the matter, doesn't he? Now, let's make this clear. What Martha was doing was important. It was necessary. I mean, somebody's got to clean up and somebody's got to prepare the table and get the food ready. I mean, you want to be a good host. So Jesus wasn't saying those things weren't important. But what Jesus was trying to say was, where are your priorities? Are we choosing what's most important? How do we set our priorities and where does Jesus fit in? Where does spending time with Jesus, our good rabbi, fit in? In his book called Sit With Me, Scott Pollock says this, God longs to reveal himself to you, and the more you sit with him, the more he speaks. The more you sit with Jesus, thinking and reading and studying God's word, 
the easier it becomes to hear God's voice. It's like this, the more time you spend sitting at Jesus' feet in prayer and in his word, the more in tune your dial will be and the louder the volume will get, the easier it will be to hear from Jesus and to get to know his heart. So how do we grow in our relationship with God? We spend time with him. Spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus like any good disciple used to do with their rabbi. The author Scott Pollock continues, he says this, learning how to spend time with Jesus is perhaps the most important aspect of Christian discipleship after the starting point of placing your faith in Jesus for salvation. This step involves several specific practices and pursuits that will occupy the rest of your life, such as worship, prayer, fasting, study of scripture, and many others. While one can achieve great success in these things, complete mastery is always out of reach. You will always be a learner in this area. That's important. You'll always be a learner in this area. He continues, spending unhurried time with Jesus, your master, is critical to becoming like him. Like any relationship, this nearness with Jesus must be developed and deepened over time. You must actually learn how to spend time with Jesus and in the ways that he most desires. Let's think about Mary and Martha. Jesus said to Martha, he said, Martha, Martha, he said that Mary chose the better. Did you get that? She chose the better. He said, you're upset about many things, and few things are needed, and he says, no, actually, even one. Mary has chosen the better. He says, it won't be taken away. I'm not going to stop her from what she was doing. Did you catch in that story what Mary was doing? When Martha was all busy about the house, what was her sister Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. She wasn't being lazy. She was being intentional. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. A posture of humility. A posture of saying, I am here. She didn't just sit far away. She drew up close to Jesus right at his feet. Right at his feet. And it says that she was listening to the words he was speaking. Do we listen to God? Well, let me ask you this. How do we hear from God today? It's through his word. When we open the word of God, it is God speaking to us. Just think about this. This word of God is God's revelation to us. It's his revelation to us. It's as if he says, here I am. Let's sit together. Get to know me. This is all about God. But we are found in these pages as well because he desires to have a relationship with us. Jesus desired to have a relationship with Mary and Martha, but Mary chose the better. She sat at his feet. See, it's about choosing what is eternal. It's about choosing what will last. How are we doing with that in our lives? How do we spend our time? Do we kind of do all the things that we need to do like Martha, and then at the end of the day, if we have a few extra minutes, we'll fit Jesus in there. (laughs) Oftentimes we look at our life with God and we look at it as 
We're living our life, and we've just added a little bit of Jesus. Jesus says Mary chose the better. There was important things that needed to be done, but Mary chose the better. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to what he had to say. So how do we spend our time, church? What Martha was doing wasn't bad. It was necessary. But listen, it's as simple as this. Jesus himself was there. He was sitting there. There was this opportunity for anyone that wanted in the house, any disciple that was there to come and sit at his feet and listen to Jesus. Martha chose to be busy about all these other things. So think about it in your context. We all have a lot of important things to do, don't we? We have kids, so we have to get ready for school, and we have to feed them. We have to work so we can provide for them. We go to school. We have to go food shopping. We have to pay our bills. We have to um, rake the leaves, right? We have to go and do all those things that are necessary. And those are all important, but it really is about setting priorities. It's about simply saying to yourself, in your heart of hearts, what's most important to me? Because usually, if you look back and see how you spent your time at any particular day or week, you'll see what was most important to you. We cannot be distracted by the daily routines, even though it's things that are important. We can't let those things eat up all our time and become more important. Yes, they're necessary, but they're not the most important. Charles Hummel wrote a small book that became very popular, and he simply called it the tyranny of the urgent. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. You probably imagine what that means. Have you ever been a slave to the tyranny of the urgent? Doing those things which perhaps are not most important, but are most urgent. Did you ever get to work and you make the mistake of opening up your email first? Because you have your whole to-do list, the things you need to do that day, the things that are most important, what you're going to start with, but as soon as you click on that email, other people's priorities then become your own if you let it. How is it that you manage your time, especially your time walking Jesus? Charles Hummel writes in this book, the freedom from the tyranny of the urgent is found in the example and promise of our Lord. At the end of a vigorous debate with the Pharisees in Jerusalem, Jesus said to those who believed in him, he said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how are we set free from being slaves to the tyranny of the urgent? By spending time with Jesus, spending time in his word. For of course, the gospel of John tells us right at the beginning that Jesus is the word. We have his written word to us. He is the very word. So the idea, we can't let the urgent the things that have their place and their importance get in the way of what's most important, the tyranny of the urgent. Again, Jesus said to Mary, he said to Martha that Mary chose what was better. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away. See, Mary was content with listening to her Lord, and meditating on his words. In another account, we see Mary, the same Mary, choosing to sit at Jesus' feet again, 
while the disciples were doing something silly. You know what they were doing? They were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Who was going to get to sit next to Jesus? Who had the prime spot? Can you just picture these disciples, right? They still didn't quite get it. Three and a half years with Jesus, walking with him, eating meals, sitting at his feet, and they're still arguing along the way. Eh, I'm going to be best in the kingdom. I'll be in charge of you guys. You knuckleheads, I'm in charge in the kingdom, right? And all the while they're doing that, Mary, who chose the better, was sitting at Jesus' feet. Imagine what she was thinking. You chose these guys? (laughs) The disciples who should have known better missed the important truths Jesus was teaching them about his upcoming death and resurrection. You see, the, the lesson here is, if they only would have chosen the better to sit at Jesus' feet, they would have had their questions asked. They would have not needed to argue and debate over who would be the greatest. It's like we're all deciding who God is and what our place in the story is by what we experience out in the world. And then maybe we pick up the scriptures and say, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but we add a little bit of the Bible to it. Rather than basing our understanding of our master by his own words, sitting at his feet, spending time with Jesus, we do that most critically, by spending time in his word, because it's how he speaks to us. How often we miss the more important spiritual truths because we're busy about our daily routine, focusing on ourselves, overly concerned about earthly success and status and rewards. Consider this as well, as I I wrap up. The Bible gives us two important pictures of this kind of relationship with God. Marriage and parenting. In marriage, we are called as the church, the bride of Christ. Did you know that? So Jesus is the bridegroom or the groom. We are the bride. It says that he has gone to prepare a place for us and he's coming back for us, the bride, and that there will then be the marriage feast of the lamb when he comes back for his church. We have this big party because the two, again, have become one. Right? Like it says all the way back in Genesis, that a man shall leave his father and mother and join to his wife, and the two shall become one. That word join in the original Hebrew is like glue. It's the word for glue, which means it's not supposed to be separated. You see, so in the picture of marriage that we get in Scripture, we see that us and Jesus become one in that sense. We don't become Jesus. We become like him. We says we become co-heirs with Christ. We are adopted by God into his family. The two become one. We are to think of others in a marriage relationship. Think of the other before yourself. You'll hear that in marriage counseling all the time. When Claudia and I, when we do pre-marriage counseling, we talk about that. I think that the greatest key to a healthy marriage is humility. You're thinking of the other before yourself. Because you know what? If you're both doing that in a healthy way, then your needs are being met, your spouse's needs are being met, and that's the way God has designed it. But in a marriage, don't you very simply and plainly spend time together? How is it that you know your spouse better than anyone else? in the whole world, because you spend time together. 
You spend your time together in conversation, in communication, in intimacy. You spend your time together. That's how you know your spouse better than anyone else. All their faults and failures and all of their strengths as well. You listen to each other. At least you should listen to each other. You listen before you speak. But see, the Bible gives us this great picture is this is how we're supposed to be with Jesus. How do we get to know Jesus better? Got to spend time with him. You can't know him by osmosis because there's five Bibles in your house. It doesn't work that way. You have to open the pages and read what he has to say to us. But this is how it is to be with Jesus and us, spending time together. But that other great picture we're given, as parents, that God is called, he's got many names in scripture, but maybe perhaps our favorite is Father. He is our Heavenly Father. We are called his children. Did you know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the scripture says you are now been given the right to be called the child of God? The God who created the universe, you can call him Father. It says, Abba Father, in one place, which is a great term of endearment, that we can call the God of the universe Father, and we are his children. Parents, think about your children. No matter what they do, they can be as disobedient as you can imagine. At any age, they're disobedient. You can be so frustrated, disappointed, you can be angry with them, but they're still your children, aren't they? Nothing can ever change that relationship. Think about it. They could get married and move away. They're still your children. Our oldest daughter got married and moved to Hawaii. It's pretty far. She's still our daughter. That relationship never changes. But you know what happens when we're disobedient children? We break fellowship. Think about when your child is disobedient or you were disobedient to your parents. Maybe as adults, you're still disobedient to your parents. But think about that. You're still in that relationship, but there's broken fellowship. Maybe you don't talk to each other for a while. You give each other the cold shoulder. You don't reply to texts immediately, right? You don't show up to to family functions. Unfortunately, that happens all the time in families, doesn't it? We're all thinking of those people. It's not us, of course, right? We're thinking of people. Mm -hmm. That's broken fellowship. They're still your relatives. They're still your children. They're still your parents. They're still your aunts and uncles. The relationship cannot change no matter our behavior, but our fellowship hurts and has suffered. There's lack of communication. There's not listening anymore. There's talking over one another. See, we long to spend time with our children, don't we, parents? God is the same way. He longs to spend time with us because we are his children. He desires it. Just think of that. Our heavenly father wants to hear from us. Scripture says when we pray, he already knows what we're going to pray for. So logically, it should stand a reason that we shouldn't even pray. Why should we pray if God already knows what we're going to pray for? Where's the logic in that? It's not meant to be logical. Jesus said we are to pray. Paul says we are to pray without ceasing. We pray because God told us to pray, but we also pray because it's good for us because we get to talk to our heavenly father. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we now can pray directly to God because of Christ. God wants that. He wants to hear from his children. Parents, don't you want to hear from your children? Do you want to hear how it's going? How do you feel when they come home from school and they're like, hey, what'd you do today? What'd you learn today? Nothing. 
How was your day? Great. I mean, you want to hear, you want to know what's going on. You want to communicate, you want to hear their heart, you want to know what's happening. That's the way God wants to be with us. The Apostle Paul says it this way, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The Apostle Paul said nothing else matters. I want to choose the better, like Jesus said to Martha about Mary. So what does this look like? I'll leave you with these. How do we spend time with Jesus? I suggest you start by confessing sin. Never underestimate the damage that unconfessed sin can do to your relationship with God. Those sins that you harbor, that you choose not to confess back to God. They fester and they get in the way of our beautiful fellowship with God. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, this is to believers, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God. Confess your sin to God to open up that fellowship once again. Listen to God. It's in his word. Read his word. Spend time just in beautiful silence with God. I think many of us today are, feel awkward about silence, don't you? Feel awkward when there's silent time. Even when it's just you and God, you might feel awkward like you have to say something or you have to do something. See, that's kind of being more like Martha. And Mary was just content to sit at Jesus' feet. And if Jesus paused, Mary would still be there. The silence doesn't have to be awkward. Listen to God. Open his word daily. It's his word to you. It's God revealing himself to you. Prayer. Spend time talking to God Prayer is not a very complicated thing, church. You're simply talking to God. You can have a continual conversation with Jesus throughout the day. You don't have to close your eyes to pray. It's good if you have the opportunity. It can help to, to, to uh, you know, put away distractions. You can pray to God. You can talk to God while you're driving the car, while you're doing the dishes, right? You can talk to God. Talk to God. Communicate with him. The Lord's Prayer is a great example Right? We often call it the disciples' prayer. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, how does it start? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see that? Before we get to the next part, give us today our daily bread, you notice what happened first? Jesus was giving us a model. We don't have to pray those exact words, but he's saying start your prayer by acknowledging who God is. Worship him first. Our Father who's in heaven, recognizing he's the one true God, Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, set apart. We want your kingdom to come and your will to be done, not mine, but yours, on earth as it already is perfectly in heaven. Then we can get to asking God for those things we need. Lord, give us today our, our daily bread, the things that we need. Right? Help me to forgive those trespassed against us. Please keep us from temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And then it goes back to, for years is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see that? What a great model Jesus gave us to pray. Start by recognizing who God is. Here's another great, a great um, I think a great tool. If you are struggling in your prayer life, you feel maybe your prayers become a little bit stale, 
you find yourself praying the same things over and over, it's just not from your heart, I suggest you read the book of Psalms. The Psalms are a collection of ancient Hebrew songs. We don't have the music that it was set to, but we have the great words. Most of them written by King David. They are genuine, they are authentic, they are heartfelt words between the writer and God. Read through the Psalms, maybe just a Psalm a day. I guarantee you it will help enrich and deepen your prayer life. We worship God. Our worship, we sang songs before. Do you know what worship simply is? It's our response to God's goodness. It's just a way to say thank you. Our whole lives in Christ should be just a big thank you. Thank you, God, so I'm gonna serve you. Thank you, God, I'm gonna read your word. Thank you, God, I wanna spend time praying. Thank you, God, I'm gonna sing songs and worship you now. It's a way of saying thank you. And worship with others. Get together in a community of faith. We talked about it before. And the dedication that we all need each other. We talked about it last week, getting into community. We cannot do this Christian life alone. We are to be in a community of faith, helping each other grow closer, worshiping with each other. And finally, we confess, we listen to God in his word, we pray, we worship, we obey. Parents, don't we want our children to be obedient? Why? Not because we're tyrants, usually. Mm. but because we know what's best for them. We know what's going to keep them out of harm, what's going to lead them on the right path. So we want them to be obedient. They don't yet know what's good for them. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, go therefore into all the nations, all the world, right? Baptizing, teaching them. When Jesus says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Then he says, teaching them, all, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. I think we leave that out often. Jesus says, teaching them all that I have commanded you. But he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. It's one thing to gain knowledge and to learn what Jesus taught, but then it's another thing to actually obey it. Because you know, a head full of knowledge is worth nothing if it doesn't turn into wisdom. And wisdom is actually acting on that knowledge. It's putting into practice what we learn. So the, the final thing, how do we spend time with Jesus? Being obedient. Romans 12.1, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Sit at his feet, church. Choose the better. Choose to get to know Jesus. Choose to spend time with him. We transition now into our time spending time with Jesus around his table. We call this communion. We call it breaking of bread. So in a minute, you're gonna hear some music played, and what I'd like you to do is spend some time with Jesus. Spend some time with Jesus, just a, a minute or two in quiet reflection. As you hear the music played, that could help you just kind of put everything else aside. And then after a, a minute or two of just quiet reflection, I'm going to ask that if you are with us this morning and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus and in him alone for the salvation of your sin, then the scripture says you're part of the family of God. And this is something the family of God is to do together. We take communion. And so what I would ask you to do is after a moment of silence or two, whenever you are ready, you can just get up and you can either come up here to take a cup and a piece of bread, or there's a table in the back on the side by the doors. 
Take a cup and a piece of bread and return to your seat. So do that as you're ready. There's no rush to do that. But do that as you're ready. And then when we've all sat back down with the elements, I will lead us in taking of the bread and the cup together. All right? So take a couple of minutes, listen to the music, spend time quietly with the Lord, just you and him, thanking him for just his very presence that we get to spend time with him, thanking him for his sacrifice on the cross, for that's the only way that we are reconciled to God. And then when you're ready, as you hear the music play, when you're ready, get up, you can take the elements and sit back down, all right? On the night before he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he passed it around and he told his disciples that this represented his body given for us. 
And he said, do this in remembrance of me. So church, together, let's take and eat, like the disciples did, in remembrance of Jesus. The bread represented Jesus' body, broken and given to us. But then it says that after supper, in the same way, he took a cup. And he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. And he said, as often as you gather together, do this in remembrance of me. For when we do, we remember the Lord's sacrifice until he returns. So church, until he comes back, let us do this together. Take and drink together, remembering the shed blood of Christ for our sin. Let's stand together and close in song.
Hallelujah. Praise you. Father God, thank you for our time together. We praise you, Lord. We give you thanks and praise because it is good to praise you in this house. Oh, the wonderful body and blood of Christ, the wonderful cross that we look to. Father God, we thank you for Jesus, for him and him alone. We give you all the praise and glory now in his name. But Father, we do so through the power of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus, for your glory, Father. Thank you that we can be called your children. God, continue to draw us close to you. Help us, Lord. Give us the courage, give us the wisdom to spend time with you. Jesus, we long to sit at your feet and listen and learn. God, we love you. And we say thank you for everything. Be with us now, Holy Spirit, go and prepare the way. And we pray in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. Spend a few minutes in uh, fellowship. Give the team about five, ten minutes to get the food out. And enjoy a time of food and fellowship. for me.